I got really nostalgic for the damn library, uh, looking at some pictures. I was going back and just seeing some of the incredible authors that we have had sitting on that mini couch that, yeah. that we had them all sit on and pretend like I they didn't see me blatantly taking out my enormous cell phone to take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> some of them pretended, some of them were like, yeah, I'm going to pose for this. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate both approaches and yeah. I miss it deeply. Yes, we miss all of it, really. So many, so many, so many damn books. You know what? This is a free idea for the folks at The Onion, if they're listening. Someone might be. They should team up with any newsroom around the country. The Times, Washington Post, LA Times. And one day, they publish the same, they publish actual news. They publish the actual front page. And we see how many people are like, The Onion, they got us again. Or... They set it up like a weird War of the Worlds analog, and it's just like, wait Ooh. a minute, the jokes came true. We have to read tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that. This is my pitch for a movie now. Look, folks, the ideas are coming out of this show during quarantine, and mm. that's really, that's more than any of us could have asked for. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And it's a normal episode, very... <laughs> by the book i gotta go (laughs) Uh, can i can i explain the drink yes please do you came by and got it this morning you had a very nice mask on by the way oh thank you very much very stylish uh so sarah and i went to a cabin in upstate New York for a couple days last week. And uh, one of the things that was a feature written in the Airbnb messages with the host was make sure you guys go to the wild blueberry patch. And it just was like, yes, that (laughs) is something I need to make sure we do. Mm -hmm. And so we went and picked wild blueberries, which I don't know if you've ever done that. I've but picked I think huckleberries. I've, I've only seen farmed blueberries. So they only have a certain height. And a wild blueberries look like viney trees. Really? Um, and so we took one walk around the area and we were just like, where are these blueberries at? I don't know what we were expecting to find. Just well manicured and maybe a neon sign that says here they are. Um, but we went back and walked around and it was just like, you know, it's good that we didn't ask anybody because they're literally everywhere. <laughs> it's just in these like crazy trees. So I picked some wild blueberries, uh, Sarah and I did, uh, and, um, Ramona likes blueberries. Something Wonderful. Like that. That's good to know. Uh, and, uh, and I made a simple syrup from them, um, which is just straight up mashing them, um, with some sugar and, and, you know basically simmering the blue out of them um, Mm. and straining with, you know, regular simple syrup recipe. And then we also went to this um, distillery and uh, the Catskill distillery. um, And they had this most righteous bourbon and it's their like main bourbon. And it's so good. It's It's just really good. Delicious. Um, And so it's just those two things with a little bit of lemon and some soda on top. What do you think? It's great. 
<laughs> it's um it's I can taste both the simple syrup and the bourbon more than I feel like I normally would taste either of them discreetly while still tasting them mixed together. You know what I mean? Hmm. That's cool. I'm, and I wonder if it's the bourbon tastes like it's great bourbon. I'm not a big straight bourbon drinker, but it tastes like one of those bourbons that I would have a, a neat sip of and be like, Ooh, yum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was surprised. I'm not, I'm not someone who just pours a, a um, finger of bourbon or like pour it over a, a, a ice cube. Um, but I would with this. Yeah, it's quite good. So that's the drink. And reading was great. I I love, you know, p- putting down a book, finishing it and sitting with it for a second and then picking up the next one. Pick the up stack. the next one. Hot damn. That's great. Isn't that awesome when that happens? It truly is. We're, we don't really have a a topic right no we don't uh you had well, some I, idea about school i want to no not school but i want to talk about that in a minute but we should talk about what you buy oh sure i guess i need to figure out uh what i've bought i can go go for it we got sent this. I'm so excited about it. It's called These Violent Delights by Mika Nemerever, and it comes out in, in um, late September. So pre-ordered this one. I'm only 50 pages in, but it feels special already. And it's one of these books that um, it's compared to Secret History. Sure. And, and a really... An auto-read for Mr. Hermelin. Yeah. Well, I'm always, I'm always hoping. It's um, the secret history meets call me by your name is what the, ooh. the log line and ooh, I, 50 pages in and I can already feel how it's going to do that. Um, I'm very, um, I'm very excited about it. And then we also got sent this um, share a me and major Whittlesey by Kathleen mm-hmm. Rooney um, penguin paperback. And it's told in two perspectives, a pigeon and a World War I um, major in Interesting. English. I'm always excited about a, a, a point of view that um, you've just never read from before. Yeah. You know, I'll read any dog point of view book. Right. Or most dog point of view books. And but a bird point never of view book, pigeon. that's a fun, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That sounds great. What about you? Let's see. What did I... Oh, okay. So we got sent this book. Um, We got sent one of these books, and I picked up one off a stoop the other day. The one that we got sent is a new mystery uh, that's either just about to come out at the... I think it's out at the end of the month, called Winter Counts by David Heska Wanbley Wyden. And it's a gritty mystery set on an Indian reservation and it's just, it's getting like all of these rave reviews in a way that whenever a new mystery series, because apparently it's going to be a series gets those rave reviews where they're like, Oh, this is great. It, yeah, it does all the tropey things, but it does them in a cool new way. I'm there for it. I always mm-hmm. want to find that new, you know, cause yeah, you might win out. You might get a, jack reacher out of it and 27 books later you're still like ah 
same reliable pleasures that are admittedly the same as they were 10 books ago, but still different from anything else I'm reading. You know? That's, I, that is an incredible alchemy. That is not something that, that's gold and you don't find it. You don't find it. Yeah. So I, I'll report back on this one. Okay. Um, and then the other book is a book I've been thinking about getting for a while. It came out at the very beginning of the year. And I kept being like, oh, I'll, I'll try to pick it up for the summer. Uh, and this was in like January. And obviously I stopped going to bookstores. And so I stopped kind of thinking about it because it was one of those books that I only thought about when I was wandering through a bookstore and saw it. Um, Long Bright River by Liz Moore oh, came out yeah. from Riverhead at the beginning of the year. It's a, it's a crime thriller. It's set in my old hometown of Philadelphia. Um, and I love a good, like, deeply set in Philly book. Again, I love a, a good chunky mystery, particularly at this time of the year. A good beach read. Um, but then also one of our TOB friends, Zach, had tweeted about the book a while ago and was like, this is a great Philly book. And because right now we can't go anywhere, I can't go home to see my parents. I was like, yeah, what the hell? That sounds great. I saw it on a stoop and didn't didn't even think twice about it. Didn't even think COVID about it until I got home and rubbed the book down with a Clorox wipe. <laughs> Ooh, Clorox wipe. You'll have to tell me your dealer. <laughs> so those are the things we bought. Yes. Um, or got. Yes, got. It is really, this is a thing that I miss maybe the most right now is I find myself missing being able to go for walks through bookstores. Not just going to a bookstore, because we can do that now. But the experience of like going and just like wandering through a bookstore, taking books off the shelves and reading like five pages and just kind of like getting a feel and just hanging out. Right, just to be around some books. Yeah. That feels good sometimes. Now I feel like, you know, it any of our locals which i think are all except for community are all now open for open for browsing but you kind of feel like you gotta like more or less get in and get out you know right i almost want to be like issued a a, a sterile gloves so i can be so i can still browse or something i, I haven't gone into a bookstore i won't lie to you um, yeah i just have bought things or a lots of things have been sent which has been great. I really have been reading more, which is really nice. Anything to be off the phone is yeah. is a blessing, I guess. I mean, truly. I feel like a lot of people are like, well, it's fine, time for me to finally read Ulysses, or it's time for me to finally read Middlemarch. Or, you know, like yeah. the project reading, we've <laughs> talked about this in the past, um, right. but it's something that I feel like people are really thinking about now um, and, and trying to do because if, if not now, when? True. Like if not now, when? Anybody who comes out of this is like, I don't know, maybe one day I'll get around to infinite jest. It's like, nope. Sorry, you, you, you'll, you, you'll just you never won't. do it. You got the you got the biggest. Maybe I'll do it now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna completely agree with this. Like I like the joke, but also, 
there's a lot of um, anxiety right now that does make it hard to read and focus yes. on some of the more difficult things. So that's very true. I, I agree. And then it's, I also am going to make an excuse for them. That's you fair. Can, I mean, it feels not necessarily right, for right now. I, I read it and, but I don't, I don't, I'm not like someone. Oh, I was like, going to say, is this go just through. infinite jest insecurity? I see. You don't have to, um, it, this isn't like pledging a frat. Like it's, you don't have to, and this is actually my point. This is the, which we're in a conversation now and you didn't even know. <laughs> this is the segue actually into what I want to talk about. Ooh, okay, great. Which is, I think lists and the canon are really, really bad for casual readers. Um, and I think that sometimes people are like, I don't know, I feel like there's something that happens with reading books that you're brain gets turned off from your own pop culture barometer mm -hmm. and and you need to instead rely on this weird cultural elitism that i don't think you would ever participate in 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 except for books like i feel like there's someone there's people out there who are like instead of trusting your instincts instead of looking at the back of the book and reading and being like is this an interesting book and then reading the first few pages and saying like, is this written in a style that I will enjoy? Mm -hmm. Instead, they, they are like, okay, well, I don't want to waste my instinct to read a book. So I better spend this time participating in the canon or in the best that books have to offer. Right. I mean, it's the, it's the, the slightly better version of this is, the reader who only reads Oprah's book club or Reese's right. book club. And it, that's a little bit different because a, you're getting a, a broader swath of reading there and a lot of it is contemporary, but it's that, I mean, it's that desire particularly around reading. I don't think it's there for other stuff. Yeah. There's a barrier. And I, I mean, I think it stems from education and well, I'm uh not, the level of education that a person has, but just like the education with a capital E in this country is so focused on the, the, the teacher bestowing the tablet of the, and being like, this is instilled with a thing. It's important because that is almost a self-replicating cycle that like, we are told that these books have meaning and that they are the important ones. And like, Oh, fucking, as I Lay Dying is this great, important book. And if you don't get it, there's something wrong with you. Right. And I think it's that part because I'm not going to say that something is better or worse as far as like deciding I'm going to read the top 100 books written of all time mm -hmm. from the poster that I know you've got on the wall. I do. Um, I've started oh, some of those books and then been like, nah, oh, see you later. Or, and I'm not going to say that like, you're going to get a bad reading perspective from reading everything that Oprah has to say. Basically, I don't want to make a value judgment on anybody's reading at all. Like I was saying at the top of the show, it's just good to not be on your phone. Yeah. If, you're, if you are drawn to read something, go read it because that's the thing you should read. It's not necessarily going to be on a list. It's not going to be um, canonized. It's not, no one's going to, you, you might not get the further pat on the back. Right. 
of it being an important book, but you're going to enjoy it. You can actually enjoy reading it because you, you, you care for it. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I also know that you can find all of this meaning and you can find the reasons to read as I lay dying and, and focus on the canon and find a lot of meaning there. That's not the incorrect way to do it either. But I think that I wish what I wish for people is that they had some more at the same amount of confidence of watching a trailer in a movie theater and being like, that one's for me. That one's not for me. That one's definitely for me um, to books, you know, where yeah, they're not like, they don't, they don't look at all those trailers and then say, you know what though, I need to go see Citizen Kane because hi, that's the only one that everybody right. says, you know, that never happens. Well, but again, I think it's because there's this, as children, so many people end up having, I'll just go ahead and say a bad experience with a great book mm -hmm. in a way that, particularly with movies, but I think even with music, like music, there does feel like there is a more generational pushback of like, no, this is the hip new thing that the kids are listening to that the parents just don't understand. And that within 10 years, the parents are like, oh, okay, cool. I get it. And like music feels like a big tent in that way. Mm -hmm. Whereas the books we read, I'm thinking about my high school curriculum from 2002 to 2006. And I don't think we read a single book published after 1980. 85 right and like what why so like 20 years before like you all weren't even born yet yeah and it was only because i was taking ap classes that we were reading things like jm could see is waiting for the barbarians instead of yet another book like a yet another bronte book and i say that as somebody who wishes i had read the brontes in high school well i think that the other thing that happens is this like weird literary hot take culture um where you then end up with this space where people are like you know i don't catcher in the rye is actually a real really bad book <laughs> or something side or, note did you see the thing where it was the kid on reddit a, like a genuine child who was like i'm reading this book and i can't help but read it in donald trump's voice for catcher in the rye catcher in the rye dude go check it out Pick up the copy of the book and start reading it and just imagine it's eerie. It's going to also ruin the book for you forever if it hasn't already been. I mean, do you think that it comes down to the ways in which the other media that we are comparing books to in this circumstance... The, all of the other media is just easier to access. I mean, I uh, guess like maybe not, maybe not theater. And, but, and I don't know. I mean, like libraries exist and they always but have. Here's the thing. Libraries get a bad rap. Like you have to be able to go to a library. Libraries well, are underfunded, which is a whole yes. other thing. But we're also libraries get associated with going to the library and I mean, I don't know. I don't know if the kids still like go to the library in the they way that do. we did. They do. But like the library was a horrible place in all of my, all three of my 
schools, my elementary school, my middle school, my high school. And that is not because libraries are bad. I love libraries, but they were underfunded. The people who ran them didn't care. They were largely like, here's some dictionaries and the popular novels of 1951. <laughs> we haven't had the money to buy a new book since then. Jeez, these are bad libraries. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So I see what you're saying. But, you know, like, whereas TV, like everybody, internet has become a human right in a way that weirdly, it's a it's a whole thing now. The idea that internet access is because of the way in which the world has moved, it is a fundamental human right. Right. But you that it should can't even read the everyone. internet without learning how to read. So, like, you learn how to read, too. That's not true. It's emojis. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, the idea that all of these things are true, but you, you know, in the same way that you can't have a human right to to food or shelter if someone in your vicinity doesn't know how to kill and cook and build. You know, okay. like we all have to learn things. Words have always been protected. There's this thing like when you look back at the revolutions in language that happened, the printing press starting to write things and translate things into vernacular it all happened in response to the power of the church because the church didn't want people to be able to read and interpret for themselves largely so that the medieval priests could continue to run a racket on everybody but this idea that language and the written word has always had this like i mean you said it at the very beginning it's very insular it's mm -hmm. this idea that like we know what's best and if this doesn't work for you get out in a way that like what would it be if that kid who we i guarantee you that you and i are both picturing it's not the same kid but it's the same kid who was like oh this book's dumb instead of that kid just like getting a c minus on their paper in seventh grade because a teacher didn't want to fail them or whatever the teacher says, okay, like, what do you want to read? Do you want to read an Animorphs book and write about it in the same way that Christopher and Drew are going to write about Catcher in the Rye? Because that's fine. Mm. Like, if there was a fostering from the earliest time, because I think that's where it happens. When you get told enough times that you're too dumb for this, and you get told that both by your teachers who are like, assigning you a thing and not understanding why you don't understand it but then when you get your test results back and you're like oh the system has told me that i didn't understand the message of this book mm -hmm. i don't know i just i i think that there's not an embracing of maybe this is the whole problem man maybe we've just solved it i don't know if we've solved it <laughs> I just want to find a way to, to like get the word out to teach people that they need to trust their breeding instincts in the same way because they have right. this this muscle that gets turned off for books and they need to turn that back on because they're right you know they're right that maybe as I lay dying isn't if you didn't if you're reading that because it's on a list it might not resonate with you yeah if you're reading that because you were heading into faulkner land for and and want to you know there's there's ways to get into it and, right and there, and even though he doesn't resonate with me i can see why there's a lot of reasons to read faulkner and there's a lot of reasons to engage with texts that you don't even necessarily like reading 
But to do that, I feel like you have to be on a mission that I don't think a lot of people are when they're picking up a book. Right. You wouldn't like torture yourself through a 40, 40 hours of a television show because you're like, well, this is important, you know? Yeah. You're yeah. I watch, mean, like it's Cheers the- is an enormous television show. Sitcoms changed because of Cheers. If you don't like Cheers, you're not going to watch more than like six episodes before you're like, eh, that was right. obviously of a different time period. It's not for me. Right. And I wish people brought that mind. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it just comes down to having having access to them. Because the, the thing is, with Cheers, you, you're in that sixth episode and you're like, all right, screw it. I'm going to go back and rewatch Parks and Rec from the beginning again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's two clicks to get there. I think it really, you know... Right. As it's much not. It's not another twenty-eight dollar hardcover. Yeah. That did sound interesting. That might also contain more of this Cheers nonsense. Right. Oh, right. Uh, so I get it, and I understand that what I'm talking about is a different type of maybe cultural elitism that I'm not even realizing. Um, but I just i I want people to like regain their trust in their own taste. Ooh, yes. Well said. So in that in that sense, you should we recommend things? We read some pretty cool books. We recommend you take a look. Sure. I actually, I had a completely different idea for something to recommend. And then you said, um, good reading experiences you didn't even like. Okay. And I have one of those relatively recently. Um, man, Samuel Delaney's Dahlgren. Okay. A good friend of mine, a former colleague from the public, uh, gave me a copy of it on my last day. And the note that he wrote inside basically said, uh, well, it said, this is a weird book to give somebody because there's a lot of kinky sex in it, like a lot. But also, I think it's a good book to give you right now because it is a book about learning to love a place and knowing when to leave it. Hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, it's been, when you're listening to this, it'll probably have been actually almost exactly a year since I left the public um, and the book stayed on my shelf for most of the past year uh-huh. until recently. Similarly, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything right now. I might as well dive into this immense brick of a sci-fi novel about a month and a half ago. And it, I was in it for about two weeks and some of it, I was like committed to every word and some of it, I was, skimming along and sort of floating through it and the book i mean william gibson has this great introduction where he basically says this book is a labyrinth that is meant to infuriate you and it is meant to bounce you out of it Mm -hmm. in the hopes that you try again kind of thing jeez and at a certain point i did i was like you know what i am fast forwarding through the last two sections because i've been in it for two weeks I'm starting to get mad at it. 
But when I finished it, I really, I keep thinking about it mm-hmm. in a very strange way where I'm like, I, I don't know that I can recommend this. I really, I don't know even if I could give it a star rating. It's Is like it stuck it, in your head maybe because in that like way of like listening to half a pop song? the song gets more stuck in your head because you don't remember the second half. So like, because mm. you didn't quite finish the book, you still have those ideas knocking around because he didn't like suck the flavor out of them. Well, maybe, except the book is also a recursive document. Like uh, it begins halfway through a sentence and the la- the end is half a sentence. Oh boy. And so it is just like, and the, the last section pulls in things from the previous six sections. Okay but like it's a it's a almost house of leavesy meta text at times at the very end except mm. published before a publisher was willing to like take that level of type i would love to see you know the, if the letters Delaney was like yeah the publisher I, i'm gonna like recreate it using 21st century technology or something too <laughs> um because it's just i mean it's just fucking crazy anybody out there who has read some or all of dahlgren i'm now here let me know apply to we about did the Reddit a lot of people board. posted about it um on instagram and there were people like "Ooh, crazy yeah crazy and it's kid. like yep yep i get it now uh-huh i'm excited to read more mm-hmm. and someday something I'll... that's maybe not his recursive text i don't omnibus masterpiece but also i guarantee it's one of those books that at some point i'll just pull it i like might not read all of it again but i'll just be like what uh could this possibly have been as weird as i thought it was right or it'll be like you'll you'll look at um the date as like the page number so it'll be february 16th and you'll be like oh wait, it looks like a pe- february 216 pages in yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i like playing games with that with my books uh, I said on Twitter recently, and I I stand by this that having reading books is fun, but it might be even more fun to stack books in an order that you might read them. Yes, <laughs> and to continually update that order. Oh, oh, oh this will be next. Do you have anything that folks should put on the top of their pile, throwing out their carefully curated orders? Well, I think that people should. Okay, I love Amy Bender. Um, she changed how I approached writing short stories and made them more fun. Um, She made me, she helped me discover my own writing style. And I think that's true for a lot of people. Amy Bender is just that sort of person. She hasn't written um, a novel since um, Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake, which is years and years ago. Yeah. Um, She had a, a short story collection again, like years and years ago, I think seven years or maybe, I don't know if that's true. But she has a new novel. I mean, Lemon Cake's almost a decade now. Yeah. And so this is her first novel in almost a decade. It's called Butterfly Lampshade. And when I started it, I was like, I was definitely continuing to read the book because I like Amy Bender and not because I liked the book I was reading. Mm. Um, And so I was just like, I was just, I was trusting her and thinking about like how crazy it was. And, and it's a really odd book. Um, Someone described it as like Amy Bender does Proust. And yes, that is what this is. Um, And it's, it's this woman in adulthood looking back at the, this week where um, she had to be taken out of her mother's care. 
hmm. and put it into her aunt and uncle's care and, and what happened there and why. And all of the sort of thought process of her life and she's building a weird tent in her apartment, which might feel sort of core related. Sure. And And I ended up just completely... I read the first, you know, 50 pages and maybe like three sittings because I was feeling uncomfortable, not enjoying something that Amy Bender wrote. (laughs) And then the last rest of the book I read in one just enormous gulp because it just clicked and resonated. And it is Proustian. It is like, you know, the Madeline that causes someone to fall back into their memory. But she's looking at the act of creation of memory um, it, through a lot of different lenses and it's just this one week that she keeps looking at wow cool it's really cool i i can't believe it and um and i think it's a, it's a really strange book so if you're drawn to it and you love amy bender i think stick with it because it'll be good the other thing that i don't know this actually feels i don't know if i recommend this book because it was so insane yeah um but so I loved Convenience Store Woman, uh-huh. that novel by uh, Sayaka Murata. And she has a new novel that's coming out soon called Earthlings. And if you if you liked Convenience Store wo- Woman, she like takes that idea and then it's just like, okay, if that's our starting point, why don't we go even further? And it just includes all the most taboo subjects you can imagine. Um, wow. It is completely insane, but it's also in this sort of muted, quiet prose where it's all just presented to you as like the most logical thing that I could have thought of in this moment. And uh, even though it's the most insane stuff you've ever heard, because like the main character of this book believes from childhood into adulthood that she can talk to her um, stuffed animal who is an alien from another planet. And she too is an alien. And I think you pronounce it poppinpophobia. 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 No, that's what it is. It's fun to say. It's a crazy, crazy novel. It's it's also like pretty short. So if you've been trying long things and want something short, Earthlings, uh, it comes out soon, like pre-order it and then also like set aside some of your day Cool to react to it. Because when I was done, I was like... <sighs> Okay, something nice, something nice now. <laughs> I need a nice thing to remind myself that people are okay. Uh, so yeah, that's my. Those are my recommendations. Do you have Do you have one more that's not that's not a um a, a struggle read? Oh yes, okay, I do. Um, our friend Robin Sloan, purveyor of fun, neat internet things as well as terrific novels. He has now two novellas out that are available for free from his website. Um, and they are, they're connected. I won't say that one is a sequel to the other. The first one is called Annabelle Scheme. And it's cool. set in a, a fun alternate San Francisco where quantum computing happened for about a month and a half. And it caused too much instability in like the multiverse um and so they had to shut it down but it's a a private eye with her ai assistant basically uh running around this weird alternate san francisco sounds awesome he then 
and I I didn't know about it until this summer. He got commissioned by the oh uh, I forget if it was the Chronicle or the Gate, one of the major San Francisco papers, to write a serialized story. And so he wrote a fourteen chapter Annabelle Scheme novella. What? Uh, that then he had folks. Um, he was like, okay, I'm gonna edit it up, but instead of trying to go the normal publishing route, if he basically did a Kickstarter, but like without a reward. The reward was if I hit my goal, which was not very high, but like if I hit my goal, the book will be free to everybody. Anybody who pays for it gets a copy. Hmm. Um, and so I was like, yeah, well, it was like nine bucks. And I was like, you know what? I just read this great novella for free. I'm going to read this cool novella. And that's. That's two books for not even the price of one book. Wow. Um, and they're a lot of fun. They're just like, they're so weird. The new the second one begins with a, a burrito cannon. <laughs> and so he's, it's, I, you know, he's got such an inviting writing style. You just, yeah. you're just skating along with him right away. It's just a, it's just a great smooth read no matter what he's doing. Yeah. These are very, very fun. Um, and like I said, you can get them for free on his website. I remember in um, Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore, there's the sequence where they're like scanning a book in a library. Mm -hmm. And it is somehow like tense and exciting. And you're just like, oh, I hope they scan that book well. <laughs> Which is the mark of a good writer, I think. If you can, If you can imbue such a such a thing with drama and excitement then you're you've got something something pretty exciting that's very true <laughs> oh gosh and i just want people to read and i feel like i'm tired of the walled garden take the garden walls down like everybody should come in and find the flowers hey look man to bring it right back around to where we started with the the new york times stuff part mm -hmm. of the reason that i laugh is I have that issue of Jacobin Magazine that has the instructions on how to build a guillotine. So, uh, <laughs> Ooh, look out, great lady. Whoa! <laughs> Moving up north, gonna have just be like, come on over to my backyard. Ching! Oh, we're gonna take the money back. Ah, uh, did well, I get two French Revolution? <laughs> uh, umpa. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, thanks. Thank you. Thank you to you, Drew. Thank you for to talking you, to me about books. And thank you all for listening. This has been another scintillating episode. <laughs> so many damn books. We really appreciate any time that someone writes a um, review. If you're looking for stuff to do in your quarantine and you haven't written a review of iTunes stuff that you like, any of the podcasts, not just ours, any of them. You know, I think you can spend a good 20 minutes figuring out your Apple ID. And then after that, you can you can go and review a bunch of stuff that you've been listening to. Um, also, Look, I just mispronounced the word guillotine. So please give us five stars and call out the fact that I, a proud French person, mispronounced the word guillotine. A guillotine. It's Italian. Look, we just wrote your review for you, folks. <laughs> five stars <laughs> drop that the in there um and also if you wanted to give us money you could uh so many damn books is on patreon patreon.com slash smdb that's you where you find us look at all of the books we mentioned for a show 
we you can go to somebodydambooks.com yes you can um and if you have discovered an author that you just love that you want to tell us about email us tweet at us instagram at us we love to hear about new new discoveries we do make us feel good when something pops into our feed or into our inbox instead of sort of sad yeah you know please we all feel sad enough we do spread the joy spread the books spread the joy spread the books ah ah look at that i can go work in an ad firm let's do it <laughs> we're gonna rebrand books buddy we did it